We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. And welcome back to another episode of the Golden Blogs podcast, The Bearcast. I'm your host, Rob Huang, with my co-host here, Mr. Andy Johnston. That's me. Yeah. I don't know why I rolled the R there. Mr. Andy Johnston <laughs> in the blue corner. No, it's um, what a week. I know. I feel like I say that every week, but this week in particular, I mean, it was a great weekend. It it was every it, single time the Dodgers won. You know what I was, I said out loud? Did you did you cry tears of blood? <laughs> Is that what happens? It was pretty sad. It, <laughs> but I turned. It was my mom's birthday, so we we're in LA. So we're in LA for this, and the Dodgers are winning. And I just turn around and go, Cal won. There's just nothing else you really can say. <laughs> it's like when Cal wins, the rest of the sports world doesn't make sense. It doesn't need to make sense. Yeah, it doesn't have to. So you're just kind of like, oh, well, Cal won. <laughs> All right. On to the next one. The, I, think, I think for you, I think for you, if the, do- if the Giants were in the playoffs and let's say they lost, that would be more devastating than right now what's happening in the Dodgers winning. I mean, right? I'm st- I've just coached myself to a point <laughs> of being okay with where it's at because of it how good, good of a season they're having. And then I was just rooting for Houston. Houston's blowing it. Yes. All right. I just think that if, well, now it seems very unlikely that Houston's going to make it. No, so I, now I, I'd have to root have to for, for the, the Yankees. freaking Yankees. Like, <laughs> like it's unbelievable. A, it, it's a lesser evil's choice. As an, Angels, as an Angels fan, I can't root for the Astros because I don't want a division rival winning it, right? I can't root for the Dodgers because I don't want my local rival winning it. So all in all, my choices were... Television off. Yeah, that's pretty <laughs> much what it is. I, I, at one point, it was I was rooting for... I can't even root for the Red Sox. So pretty much I was rooting for the Indians. Like that was, <laughs> that was, that was it. Like why would I ever root for the Indians? So but it's like rooting for a strike. Yeah, but I was that's that's what I was rooting for. Come on, players union, time to strike. <laughs> right now. Right, right now. now. <laughs> the time is There's now. No better There's opportunity. No better <laughs> uh, I mean that's happening. The NBA just started on yesterday, which was amazing by the way. So two great games to start off the NBA season. So many good storylines. What's the deal with Draymond? Is he okay? Apparently he's getting tested to tomorrow or today, I believe. Probably, oh, no. you know, like MRI and things like that. Oh, so no. that's never a good thing if you need more tests. So, 
Yeah, I mean, he was on his way to, he was, I think, what, one point shy of a triple-double? That's what I get. That's literally what I texted my <laughs> friends. It was like, the only thing that could stop the Warriors this year is... Someone uh, gets injured. Yeah, someone getting hurt. One of the big four guys getting hurt, and Ooh. that's exactly what happened to start the year. So, not a great start. I mean, they lost on ring night. There's only four... Did you know that there's only four teams that have ever lost on ring night? And two of them are Shaq's teams. <laughs> Oh, once no with the Lakers and once with Heat, one with the Heat, I think in 05, 04. Yeah. Um, <laughs> that's pretty funny. And then now the fourth team is the Warriors. Wow. That's pretty unbelievable. Yeah. I mean, it makes sense, right? You would, you would, it would be hard-pressed to make the reigning champs not good the, the following year. I think it's just, yeah. Unless you're the Marlins. Because then you just trade everybody after that's, you win. That's true. That's true. Or you're like the Mavs when they won that one year, and it's just that's like the flukest of fluke things in sports. The Mavs winning? Yeah. What? Yeah. It's just one of those things. That, I mean, they never got competitive after that. It's it, Usually when you see teams winning they championships. They were so good, though, for so many years. Dirk was amazing. Oh, Dirk was amazing. I'm not saying Dirk wasn't amazing. I'm just saying that the Mavs team wasn't like a perennial, like, oh, they're getting to the cha- at least the, champ- the conference finals. I gotcha. Well, we don't need to go down this rabbit hole. Yeah. <laughs> Let's get back to Cal football. <laughs> yes. Yes. Let us get back to Cal football. So, so as you know, this is our uh, weekly just a recap. I know it's a couple days late, but that's also because of scheduling issues where we just couldn't make our timing work because we do have lives. <laughs> Sometimes. <laughs> Sometimes. Sometimes have lives. In but, those rare moments in life. But mostly it revolves around Cal sports. Mostly. Yes. Mostly. Uh, so, yeah, let's get right to it. Um, Cal Gets Washington State Friday night. I is it just you? Is it just me, or is there something about Friday night games that that there's a little bit something special about it? I I hate Thursday night games, but Friday night games. I'm, I have a little bit of a yeah. This could be fun, just because it is Friday night. I think Friday night. Yeah, there's something. Well, it was. It was just it was Friday the thirteenth. That too for so ours. it had that spooky feeling. Clemson goes down. Then everybody at the beginning was like saying, oh, it's upset Friday. So, I mean, you got to wonder if Washington State like heard that at all. I mean, I, I doubt it, but it's just one of those things. Like, it started off like in a great, well, kind of a great way. Um, and I say kind of due to another subject we'll cover in a little bit. But, yeah, there it's so much better than Thursday. Just like having the extra day and having it not be in the middle of the week. And on top of it, like Thursdays are really long days for me, so... Yay. Yay, Friday games. I just feel like even for the players to get that extra day of rest, like Thursday is such a tight turnaround. And I just worry about the student athletes. I worry about the NFL guys. Like having to turn, a, turn around that fast when you're... That's even crazier if you think about it. Yeah, because it, it's way more intense. The NFL is like unbelievably intense. So Friday games, I'm a big fan. Would... Don't really mind them being late on Friday because then I get to sleep in on Saturday for the most part, and then I can get a good night rest Saturday night going into Sunday or Sunday night going into Monday. The Saturday night late night games, however, besides the immediate benefit of being able to kind of have a full day, um, just what was the one I think you or no, but you were up what till three thirty five Friday night, so I guess like you're still up that late. Yeah, I mean, I, I didn't get home till like. 130 because we played but, that air raid in offense right because we were playing them and the post-game conference started at like 11:50. so i mean it was all fun but 
And then some of the CGB guys and some other of our friends who was at um, in Berkeley and they were grabbing beers. So I dropped by. Beers were on you, right? I was like, no, 25. No. No. What? No. A beers were on Twist. Wow. Yeah. I missed that? Yeah. Ugh. Hopefully, hopefully this week. Hopefully yeah, this hopefully week. this Hopefully week. another win this week. I don't know week. if he's going to open up a tab if we beat Arizona, <laughs> but that's pretty awesome. I swear I saw a tweet from you that said, oh, like, drinks on me all night. No, no, I said, I said, I need a beer, guys. A top shelf. Rob said, top shelf only. That was my recap. That was the last line uh, of my recap. Yeah. Where I said, bartender, I need, I need a drink, something from the top shelf, please. <laughs> that was the end of my, that's how I capped off my recap, but... I did tweet out saying that I needed a drink, and then uh, one of our friends, Dallas, tweeted, replied to it, can someone buy Rob the highest percentage beer that they have on tap? <laughs> um, but yeah, it was, it was an amazing, it was, it was crazy, um, the, just absolute mayhem, and we'll get into that. But first, leading up to the week, and the first thing we want to say is, um, I know this doesn't mean much to a lot of people, but our thoughts and our prayers and anything we can possibly do um, is all toward, our, our minds are towards those affected in the North Bay. Um, the fires, I think, worst fires in the state of California ever. Um, and it's, it's, not, it's not fun. It's not. Um, the amount of devastation and havoc those fires have like reached in terms of the, the houses and the damages is incredible. Um, so... Yeah, I know a couple, I think a couple of football players, they're affected because um, they're from the area. Yeah. Um, and then just, yeah, just us being here as well. I mean, we, if the air quality here is that is that bad throughout the week, you can only imagine how much worse it is if you're in the immediate areas. Yeah. It was super, I mean, very, very sad and... Uh, definitely wishing all the best to everybody out in the North Bay, including like friends and family. And uh, yeah, it's super close to home. So yeah, I mean, it was a really tough week. Mm-hmm. Waking up every morning, you think your apartment's on fire because it smells so strong of smoke. And then um, if that's exactly like you nailed it, like if that's what we're dealing with, can't even imagine like what everyone else is dealing with, like losing homes, losing uh, loved ones, possessions. Everything that you've grown up around, like we take it for blessing, as a we take it for granted to be able to come back to a house that we have every day that's mm-hmm. in place. And uh, the first thing I did, like when, I mean, it reminded me of the Oakland fire because I was through that, and my dad and I were like, I was young, but we were watering down our house and all that. So um, we're here for you in the East Bay, and yeah, if there's anything we can do, um, let yeah. us know. We're more than happy to promote the right cause on CGB on uh, this podcast and any other platform we have access to. Yeah, so definitely, definitely thinking of you all in the, in the North Bay. And um, branching off of that, the big issue from the fires and all of that of us, too, waking up every morning. And you, you said it. I woke up one day, and I had to run around the house because I thought something was on fire. It definitely smelled like, like a... Like after you put out a campfire and you wake up in the morning, it was exactly that smell. And I was like, oh, crap, is something burning? Did something, did like an electrical circuit, you know, short circuit and start to burn a little something? And um, and then I realized it's just, that's just the smoke coming in. Um, and the amount of ash that was like falling, um, it, w- it wasn't like a volcanic eruption type of situation. But if you, if you put something outside on the balcony 
and you come back 15 minutes later, like you can, you can easily find a good amount of ash, little, little particles of ash just on whatever you put out outside. Dude, my car right now is still yeah. covered with soot. It's yeah. unbelievable. Yeah. Um, so that's what it was leading up to it, and which is why it was such a big deal um, because of all the sporting events that were happening here this weekend. You had, you had the Niners playing here. You had the Raiders playing here. You had the Cal, Cal playing here. And you also had Stanford playing here. So all Bay Area teams were playing here. Um, so you had that. And then that's why they monitored the air quality index every single day, even up to like the hour before the game started. They were monitoring it. And so here's the NCAA rules. If it goes over 100... So here's the index. I'll, I'll, I'll talk about the index first. The index goes from a zero to 200 plus. Zero is like the cleanest air possible. Nothing in the air. Totally harmless. Um, and then it goes on from there. And then 200 is like stay home, like get out of there, <laughs> like that bad. The NCAA rules or guidelines state that you should consider moving or canceling the game if it goes over 100. And and then if it goes 200 plus, it's a 100% like cancellation or, or movement or postponement. Um, I think throughout the entire week, the highest that it peaked during the daytime was around like 150, 160. I think on Friday, though, the, the peak hit was 172. Yeah. Um, and then also, but then at night, it dipped under 100 like it stayed within the 50 to 70 range at nighttime just because of the winds and you know the cooler temperatures and things like that so so that's what they were monitoring is the fluctuations um and it never got to 200 um and i think that's i think also with the that added with the fact of throughout the entire week when it got to nighttime it the it started the air quality index started to drop pretty sharply so that's what they were expecting, which happened, and that's how they planned it out. But they also said that they were going to play this out on ESPN. Um, it said that Cal and some and Washington State and the NCAA and the Pac-12 are going to play it out like a lightning delay. So let's say at, at kickoff, which was at 5? 7.30. At 7.30, let's say at kickoff it was you know in the high 180s then they might have delayed the game for like another 15, 20 minutes or so to see if their quality index dips a little bit uh, before they got the players on there. Thankfully, it started dropping pretty quickly. So then the game just started at 7.30 and it went along. But I don't know if that's the smart... (laughs) That was the smartest way to handle it. If you handle it like a lightning delay, like just expecting things out of the air just to disappear. No. Um, My first thought is if... I mean, for those who aren't here, yeah, I was on the West Oakland BART platform right after work as I was pl- plotting to come over to Berkeley. And I looked over to Berkeley, and you couldn't see anything. And normally it's clear as day. You can see the Berkeley Hills. You couldn't see anything because of the smoke. I looked at downtown Oakland, which to West Oakland BART is... Right there. Right there. can barely see the buildings. So... I think the there needs to be a reevaluation of that rule. Like I was really adamantly, I was shocked um, that they were deciding to play. It absolutely had an impact on the fans. Like there's nobody at the game because nobody, a lot of people were scared off pretty yeah. much of their quality. And then to treat it like a lightning 
de- like lightning delay. I, the only thing they got right was the fact that it got better with yeah. time, with it going to the dark. Other than that, I thought it was a totally blown situation. Didn't show any respect for the student athletes. I mean, these are students. I've been coughing just me, and I'm just going to work. I yeah. just swam outside for half an hour and came back in, and all of a sudden I was coughing up a lung. Like It's just one of those things, Like, and they don't really have a say in the matter. I had I, I opted to swim outside. <laughs> right? <laughs> that I was a personal to go to work. Yeah, it was a personal decision for me to go to work. Could have worked from home. But these these are kids and eighteen to twenty two year olds. It's I mean at the end of the day, it's a contract obligation with ESPN that forces them to maintain that high of a standard. And like NCAA recently has really shown that its backbone is absent <laughs> from bigger decisions. Which I think is being pretty nice. Yeah. Um, so I mean, I don't know, man. It was personally, I just didn't think it was handled that well. Like I was super happy the game was played and the outcome, like from the sense of like, like that just I got to watch game. Cal football. Yeah. But I just don't know if like even if you revisit and told me the outcome, I'd still be like, yeah, you should push the game and hopefully we get the outcome again. It's just better for the student. Yeah. It. Yeah, it's just it's it's a really weird situation. Like it, the game should have never been in that situation to begin with. It should have been just a a set. Hey, we're gonna push it. We're just gonna push it just because of how bad the air quality and all that all that stuff is. Especially leading up to it. Especially knowing that mo- a lot of things that happened on campus were canceled too. Dude, like the national getting canceled at the Greek, and yeah. then you have a football game going on right next to it. It's like just didn't make sense yeah it doesn't it it definitely it definitely did not um so yeah i mean you got like school districts shutting down like their after school activities going on outside because of the air quality um and you're having student athletes basically run out there at at full speed for 90 minutes um just exerting themselves and breathing in whatever may come in the air. So, yeah, it's a really, I don't know. I don't know how to describe it. It was, it was a weird day too. Like, you know, it, it, Friday, the Friday the 13th, like the weather's like that. So it's like slightly musty, like a little bit, it looks like fog setting in, but it's not, it's like clouds of smoke pretty much. Um, and it, it definitely got a little worse as you got towards the stadium because you're higher up. Mm. Um, and, and and of course the the stadium's like a dome or like a bowl, so it like f- flows over in. So it was really it's just a really really weird weird Friday. Um, I we park at uh, Underhill, which is the media parking lot, and I parked in. And as I'm pulling in, I see like a group of Washington State fans with a pickup truck, and there's like probably about roughly like 25 people. You know, probably look. It looked like a bunch of college students, plus like you know, parents and a little bit older. Like eighteen of them are shotgunning beers. <laughs> just in Underhill, just doing it. Um, and then I, so I parked, and then I made my way over to our tailgate that we have, and then headed up to the stadium. But yeah, it, it felt like one of those. Oh God, there's gonna be more Washington State fans than Cal fans here, isn't there? Like that's the that's the first initial feeling I got because. 
when you get to Underhill and then there's that little pathway between Underhill and Crossroads in the back, um, that's where a lot of old blues decide to have their tailgate yep. with a bunch of benches and stuff. And I, usually, you know how there's a lot there? I think there was like two. Mm. And then there were like three or four Washington State ones set up. So I was like, oh, it's going to be one of those. It's going to be totally one of those Washington State fan-dominated type games. But once the game started, it really wasn't. It's still, still majority Cal, which was great. There was like a sliver, I think like half a section full of Washington State fans. And it was funny because they packed themselves all in into that one spot. You know that section that all the way fans sit in um, on the, I believe it's the south side? Yeah. The south end zone? So, yeah, it was just, it was really weird. I have pictures up. Um, I don't know if I put them up on Golden Blogs, but on my personal Twitter, I put them up. So, if you want to take a look at that, uh, be my guest. But, in the meantime, we shall go on and talk about the game. Cal, Washington State, Friday night. Washington State, number eight, coming into the game. After going 5-0, and oh, they're looking for, you know, another win. Or 6-0, sorry, 6-0. Yeah, 6-0. Yeah, They're looking for their <laughs> seventh win. But no, 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 no. Cannot cannot <laughs> come into Berkeley ranked, my dear friends, just like Chad Hansen said on his Twitter. Chad Hansen did say on his Twitter, do not come into Berkeley ranked. <laughs> Cal upsets number eight, Washington State, 37-3. to My God. All right, let me just read you some of the... Just some of the offensive stats and then a couple of defensive stats. Offensively, Vic and Murray, 22 rushes, 114 yards gained, 12 yards lost. So he had a 100-yard gain, a 100-yard game with one Crazy. touchdown. Ross Bowers, 21 completions on 38 attempts, 215 yards passing, one touchdown. Um, receiving, Kanavainoa, six receptions, 95 yards. Vic Warden, four receptions, 59. And pretty much it. Uh, and then, of course, Matt Anderson, Three for three on his yeah, field goal attempts. Yeah, he's huge. He's huge. Yeah. 26 yarder, 48 yarder, and a 41 yarder. Defensively, Lord have mercy. <laughs> Jordan. Stats, stats everywhere. Jordan Kanasic, 11 total tackles, six assisted, five solo, two and a half sacks for a 31 yard loss, two and a half tackles for a loss for a 31 yard loss, one forced fumble, and one interception. <laughs> wow. Next man up. Uh, Elijah Hicks, six tackles, four solo, two assisted, one tackle for loss for three yards. Uh, Garen Brown, five tackles, two, three, uh, two solo, three assisted, one sack for loss of six yards, one tackle for loss for loss of six yards, and one fumble recovery for 26 yards and a touchdown. There you have it. Read off every single sack. Oh, every single sack? Every single player with a sack. All right. Or, like, more, or more. All right, obviously. and I'll, I'll go on to the next one. Darius Allensworth. Uh, four tackles, three assisted or three solo, one assisted, one sack for two yards, one tackle for loss for two yards, and one forced fumble and one pass breakup. Next up is James Looney, four tackles, three assisted, one solo, one and a half sacks for total loss of six yards, two tackles for loss for a loss of ten. Next man up, Cameron Good, three tackles, two assisted, one solo, one and a half sacks for a loss of nine yards, one and a half tackles for a loss for nine yards. Luke Beckett, three tackles, two assisted, one solo, one and a half sacks for a loss of 10 yards, one and a half tackles for a loss for a loss of 10 yards. Malik Psalms, one solo, uh, one solo tackle, and one tackle for loss for a loss of two yards. So that's it. We're doing sacks. That's amazing. Wait, Devontae didn't get a sack that, that game? He did not. 
He wow. recorded a half tackle for loss. That's it? Mm-hmm. How many total tackles? Five. Oh, okay. So they pretty and much... A, and a, he, he had the fumble recovery. Yes. On the DA play. Yep. <laughs> what a game. <laughs> what a game. Dude, I mean, just like DeReuter's game plan, and the one thing that Washington State like really didn't do well was protect Luke Falk all year. They were the only team, they were actually tied with Cal coming into the game in regards to sacks allowed, but a lot of people had put that on Falk being more like Rodgers-esque, if you will, I'm and holding, holding on to the ball than the line. Oh, that line got abused. It was amazing. <laughs> it was absolutely amazing. They just could not figure out where the guys were coming from. And then when Falk did decide to throw the ball, he just completely was missing guys in coverage that ended up making big plays. Cam Bynum on the outside is amazing to watch. Elijah Hicks is super good. At, I mean, they're both so young. Josh Drayden super young. Um, I mean, it's... It's starting to get really cool to think about the future of this team. Even if you were to take the absolute worst-case scenario and say Cal bombs every game from here on out, it's hard not to imagine this team being like absolutely tough for the next couple of years with just how young this defense is. So I'm looking at this going, here's a stat that our buddy uh, Peter Leif out in D.C. sent us. Um Cal's passing defense against explosive plays. So explosive plays is any type of play that goes 20 yards or more. Cal's passing defense against explosive plays went from 123rd to 5th. Yeah, it's crazy. 5th. Just just let that sink in. (laughs) Just coaching. Just coaching. (laughs) All right, and here's some of the unofficial um, just advanced stats that Nam compiled. All right. So for the defense, havoc plays, all right? So it's a percentage of disruptive plays, tackle for loss, picks, passes deflected, forced fumbles, sacks, and that's divided by the total number of plays. 2015, Cal was, havoc plays was averaged at 13.8%. That ranked for 100th in the country, all right? TCU, just to put it in perspective, TCU was at 15. Uh, 15.4% and 64th in the country. So it. It's like the one or two percent can make you make it a huge jump. Washington State's havoc plays against us on seventy plays, nine tackles for a loss and three pass deflected. So twelve on seventy, so that's seventeen percent. Let me let me give you a second wild guess at Cal's percentage. <laughs> no, I have no. You idea. have no idea. <laughs> Twenty three havoc plays on seventy four plays. That's a thirty one percent havoc rate. Wow. On defense. Against arguably one of the best passing defense or passing offenses in the country. Arguably. Yeah. The number one passing offense in the country. Yeah. Coming into that game, yeah. Washington State was number one. <laughs> and I, Luke Falk was the most efficient passer. Yeah. I mean, above everyone else. Above Rosen, above Oh yeah, without a doubt. Like Darnold. I mean, he was the one. His T D to interception ratio was absurd. I think Through it was like nineteen roof. to three. Yeah. He <laughs> he had moved so much after that game. It's unbelievable. It's such a testament to how far this defense has come. And we just listened to that radio interview, but how rapidly they got to that level just means they were coached up in a way that they hadn't been for so long. It actually gets me concerned about 
teams trying to poach. Again, <laughs> this is the second time I've said this. DeRoyter would be a good candidate. We're already hearing Bo Baldwin rumors for Oregon State. Uh, it's, you know, it's one of those things where, holy smokes, like, whoa, what is going on at Cal? Yeah, that's, it's definitely a, a storyline to look out for for the offseason. Most definitely, no doubt. But let's talk about the game one more. It's all right. So <laughs> we we start we start off the game and we we score that field goal. We're up three zero. I was so pissed. And yeah, so was I. And I was like, oh my god, it's, it's going to be one of those. It's going to be where we keep, we keep kicking field goals, and they keep and they're going to start you know going for like forty yard passes and scoring touchdowns. Next play up, Falk throws a pick to Cameron Bynum. And I go, okay, all right. And then we score on Vic's, on Vic's run, I believe, if I'm, not, if I'm not screwing this up. No, I think, I think I got we got wrong? the field goal off Bynum's pick. We got the field goal off Bynum's and pick. And then we got oh, the right. Vic touchdown maybe off the DA fumble. Or am I wrong on that? He might, uh, now... Either way, we'll move on from there. Okay. But just how the game flowed, right? It was, it was, it looked like we could get a score, and we did. Yep. And then we think Washington State's going to answer, but then they cough the ball up somehow. Whether it's by a three and out, whether it's us forcing an interception, or us getting a, a fumble, it just felt like they just could not hold on to the ball. Like every, I, I'll give them a couple of those interception and forced fumbles because some of those ones. Real lucky in falling our way. Like uh, Ray Davison's pick off the shovel pass. Like that's... I didn't like, think that was that well, I mean, lucky. Compared to the tip ball drill. Com- yeah, compared to the tip ball drill, it wasn't. But it's just the fact that the shovel pass went off his hands and just arced perfectly. True. Where he can... He just... Cause it was he was amazing that he was able yeah, to... Yeah, because like, he was put, locked in with the de- defensive lineman. Yeah. And he got that one handout to grab it. But it just... It landed perfectly into that space. And that's just... That's just unlucky because on on any other occasion, if he misses a shovel pass like that, that's just an incomplete pass. Okay. Um, and then of course the tip drill one that was just like heads up play by Tartable, where it just bounced off, 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 off. Um, so I'll, I'll I'll give you those. I can easily give you those. But you look at all the other interceptions. Jordan Kanasich is more where he dug it out. The two Cameron Bynum ones were outstanding. And especially the Cam- the Cameron Bynum one that got in the end zone, he talked about too. He said that that's one of the plays that they were looking at um, when they were prepping for this game. Was that he likes to he that that play design and where he's going to throw it. And so I think Cam recognized that in that split second. That's the play they were going to. Peeled off his receiver and read it and just picked it off. Amazing. So that that once again goes back to the coaching. Goes back to the coaching. Goes back to the preparation. Which is which has been stellar, um, and this I feel like we've said this every week, but this game in particular, at least defensively on the play calling side, I was just I was ecstatic. The defensive play calling was just superb. The way they masked everything, he had no idea where the pressure was coming from. And if you watch, if you rewatch the game carefully, we don't blitz a lot. Like in terms of the in, in the traditional sense of the word, right? We don't send an extra defender to go pass rush and go after the guy. Because we do we set up a three four defense, right? And we'll, we're always gonna send four at minimum because 
that fourth linebacker is like that Von Miller role mm-hmm. in, in our defensive set, mm-hmm. which is that free roamer type. Yeah. So if you're considering the 3D lineman plus him. We, but we, yeah, true, all right, true. So, and then that we also ran a lot of like the 5-2 yeah. formation. Yeah. But what I'm saying is it wasn't always those four guys going at him. Like we didn't, we didn't send those four guys and then plus add a safety in a corner to blitz the, the rusher. It was, it looked like that. And then all of a sudden everyone would drop back and it would just be the linebackers rushing. Yeah. Right. Or, you know, one of the defensive linemen or the, one of the ends would just keep, would spy on the running back and then the cornerback would blitz who was on the flat. Like it was, it was just masked perfectly where you just didn't know from which direction the pressure was coming from. And that offensive line was just didn't know what to do it legit just was like i i don't know what i'm doing coach (laughs) like if i if i block this if i think this guy's coming at me and i get ready to block all of a sudden he just backs off and then there's two defenders coming on from the right side and there wasn't a shift so that right tackle is gonna get destroyed by two players like it it was just it was just so fun to watch yeah it's really it's just so fun to watch like the, yeah, I think we said this last week, uh, last week too. Like when you're young, you gravitate towards like offense. You gravitate towards like Randy Moss when we were growing up, right? You gravitate towards those types of Terrell Owens. You're like those types of guys that makes the crazy offensive plays, which is still fun to watch. But then for me, now that I'm older, like I, gra- well, there's a coin. Yeah. Uh, but I don't even know where it is. Yeah, but in terms of now, like when I watch the NFL, like I love watching guys like J.J. Watt, like Von Miller. Like I love watching those defensive guys go to work, and that's what we have now. Like we've we've been infatuated with how good our offense was over the last three, four years, but how how fresh is it, right, to be able to go back and look at our game tape and be like, holy crap, Jordan Kanasic. Yeah. Like, holy crap, James Looney. Like it's just it, it feels like the the old Cal teams like you know where I we think I think that's it right there is that for me it's like a recency thing yeah. where we haven't seen we guys are just so accustomed to j- terrible defense yeah terrible like <laughs> terrible <laughs> terrible defense. terrible terrible defense terrible. and now to see it at such a high level of execution that's what. Coach Wilcox always talks about is execution, execution, execute. These guys execute so well. And for me, I think my introduction to watching a defensive player was Patrick Willis um, because I would just watch Niners game winners were terrible, and I would just watch Patrick Willis tackle people. And just and it was so much fun to watch. And that's really what started building defense. I think defense is just as cap- – good defense can be just as captivating as a good offense – it just generally gets a bad rap because you see most good defensive teams have pretty like pretty bad offenses. Yeah, but this one is so much fun to watch, even in the Washington game where it really wasn't a fun game to watch. I think you and I said that was probably the most miserable game we've watched all year. Yeah, it still was fun. I was much more excited about watching that defense than yeah. I was watching our offense. The only part about at least that Washington game, and we I think we've said it a bunch of times, was that we just felt for the guys because they were on the field for so damn long. Yeah, they played great. Yeah, but every time they were on there, it was just, wow, they're fun. They're really fun. And this team is only going to only gonna get better. So let's move on from there. Let's talk about a couple of, the, couple of the big plays and the big moments. Ross Bowers, my God, that touchdown run was on Sports Center number one that night. Where did that rank in your Cal plays ever? Oh, God, that's... 
That's tough. In terms of seen in person? Seen in person. Seen in person, I think that ranks as number two. I there's no I, I don't think there'll ever be a play for me. Mm-hmm. I think this is for you too. Deshaun Jackson's punt return against Tennessee in 07, that was being in the student section too, I think, was just seeing that happen where he backsteps and does the, the Madden move. Yeah. And that was just electrifying. It was unbelievable. Um, so that for me, I, I have to have it at number two. In That's terms of, number two? Yeah. It's really high. Yeah. <laughs> I've never seen a quarterback do that. I've never seen a quarterback do a front flip into the end zone in my entire life okay. watching football. Okay. Okay. Let me give you a couple. Like All I've right. seen it in the replacements <laughs> in an in an in a Hollywood movie. I mean, I don't want to rain on your enthusiasm here. Okay, but let's I'm let's gonna rain let's a little where bit. Would it, where would it go for you? I'm questionable if it makes the top five, but I wasn't there live, so I can't really speak to the live element of it. But okay, so you got you still watched it live on TV though? No. Uh, so then maybe that's what it was. Yeah, you it, didn't see it in the in the heat of the moment. That was the happening. the minute that happened. I think you either texted me or I was. I only got saw it in replay because I was already at the Warfield. Yeah, so that's a big deal. But all right, okay, okay. hear okay. me out. All right, in no such order. Let's say Deshaun's in there. Mm-hmm. The Mike Muhammad or is it Warrell Williams? Like whoever destroyed the Tennessee quarterback. Oh, in that, that was forced fumble. Zach Follett. Sorry. Not Mike Muhammad. Zach Follett. Yes, that's what I meant. The pain train. Of Eric Ainge. <laughs> yes, of Eric Ainge. Like, that play, that was absurd. Like, that was maybe louder than I've heard Memorial ever. He, yeah, he tore him in half. Deshaun up the sideline against Oregon. The forced fumble of Marcus Isef in, in, in Oregon. Oregon. But I didn't see that in person. You I did. You see, you were in Oregon. Then Mike Muhammad's interception at Stanford. At Stanford. Yes. To win the game That's definitely on Andrew Luck, yeah. Uh, so there's five. That's is that five? Is that four? I think it's four. That's so four. I think it it's like right on the it's outside. It's on the cusp of me. getting. It's in on the five. cusp. But then I mean I then I think back. So when I first saw Marshawn play, I saw him play as a freshman, and he wore the twenty four jersey, yeah. not ten, yeah. and he returned kicks for us, and he took a kick back to the house, like or the USC game, like yes. there, there are moments, but like the USC game, like. I don't know. There's actually a play from that game by Mike Williams on USC where he made this one-handed touchdown grab that I was like, that's the coolest catch I've ever seen. All right, getting lost. So I think, like, yes, it was a fantastic play, but I... It still would rank in your top 10. I think it ranks in my top 10. Yeah, but your your Cal history goes back further than mine. Because my Cal, my, Cal, my Cal football watching history only starts in 07. I'm trying... There must have been... I just feel like... There's got to be some plays like, cuz that... we're talking about a specific play. We're not talking about like a specific game or moment cuz if we're right. talking about if we include that, then it's like Javid's eight touchdown game against uh was it Washington, Washington. or Washington State? Yeah. Our sophomore year, I think. Yeah. That was that was incredible. Um I'm trying to think of like electrifying Yeah, moments. but electrifying electrifying moments like maybe Lavelle Hawkins' touchdown turn against Louisiana Tech in yeah. 07. That was, that was pretty awesome. that was pretty amazing. Um, so I there's also a couple feel like there. Kenny Lawler's catches. Yeah, <laughs> like a yeah. lot of Kenny Lawler's catches were just unbelievable. Oh, uh, was, was it Grambling? No, not Grambling. Was it Grambling? He had three touchdowns and the one where the he one just yeah like, where he got it yeah, uh, right in front of the goalpost as he's diving right. Yeah, there's so there's there's a couple, but I for me a quarterback running and a front flip into the end zone like 
It just doesn't happen that often. Like a receiver jumping up and catching a ball with one hand happens quite often, sure. more than not. The but, front flip. Into but, a, but a quarterback going front flip into the end zone, that, that sentence, how many times do you hear that sentence? Yeah, a quarterback fair. front flip into the end zone. For me, that's, that's what it is. That's why it's, it's, it's number two. Um, it's, but it was I, if, if you haven't watched the press conference I highly recommend you go watch Ross Bowers' press conference after the Washington State game because they asked him about it and he said well I couldn't go left and I couldn't go right so I decided <laughs> to go over the top I said why not um, and it's not the first time he did it he was on SportsCenter when he was in high school too because he did that in the state championship game but that time he plant, he got the landing he landed like, it he, he landed it two, two feet just boom and that was my introduction to Bowers. Yeah, that, that was that it. play. Yeah, the crazy. Did you, uh, if in the press conference they asked him about that, and his apparently after that state championship game, his mom told him, "Why didn't you do a double?" <laughs> of course, Miss Joanne Bowers, who is the uh, or Mrs. Joanne Bowers, who's the former University of Washington uh, gymnastics coach. So she's not active. I don't think so. I don't think it, not anymore. Otherwise, why? How would she be here at the games and things like that? I I don't know. <laughs> I don't know if she's still active. Oh. I thought she was retired. Um, but it is crazy to see that he... he that Man, that's, that's going to be like... In the montage of the 2017 football season, that play is going to be in it. Like, wherever you see one of those like best plays of 2017. So... Hmm. Yeah. No, I'm with you. It was, it was epic. It was awesome. I'm sure it was like... Because you got to see it live, and that's huge difference. Because we saw him take off. I wanted him to land it. Yeah, I wanted him to land it, too. <laughs> yeah. But there was the guy, there was the Washington State defender on the f- Yeah, on the, on, ground. on the ground. Otherwise, I think he would have had it. Yeah, I think he would have had it, but he slipped, on, he slipped on him Yeah, and just landed on his butt. Thank goodness. Neither here nor there. Because uh, he could have gotten, gotten real injured real bad. But, man, that play was just. Remind me of the Elway play. It did, but Elway did like a sideways turn. Yeah, he like he got, got hit in midair. And he like, yeah, he did like a helicopter spin. Yeah, this was like, <laughs> I don't even know what to call this. This is just a front flip. He he did like a breakdancing move over the top. It's crazy. It was insane. Oh my goodness, the, the absolute mayhem and pandemonium. Uh, you know, uh, and then of course Cal rushing the field after the game, and now we're fine. Twenty five k. Should have waited sixty <laughs> seconds. <laughs> I was wondering because I was watching the Arizona State. Washington, Washington game. game and I was like wow I am shocked I was like bravo Arizona State you guys really must have held back <laughs> I was like well I would have rushed the field for sure yeah and then and then I was like oh now everyone's on the field yeah like, oh weird and then I found out there's an actual rule that if you wait 60 seconds you don't get fined yeah that's it so now they now they need to let people know these rules I didn't know I didn't know this rule existed <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> how's anyone supposed to know this rule exists like, just a PA announcer can say it, and it's so simple, right? It's such a simple thing to say over the PA. But they didn't, and they, now we have to get fined 25K. Do you think it's so that they can get the players, opposing team? I think it's the opposing – yeah, I think it's definitely that. Because most of the time, those opposing players get caught up because they're saying, like, hi's and hello's and, you know, good games to, you know, some of their teammates or some of their friends that they used to play with. So, yeah, it's it, – I think that minute – it's just enough time to give them some time to get out. Plus, a lot of the times, the coaching staff from the opposing team gets caught up in it, too. Yeah. You know? And, of course, you're going to have some stupid fans, like, running up to those players and those coaches saying stuff. And I couldn't imagine know, like, losing the game, especially if it's a close game. Yeah. And then being, like, 
unbelievably pissed and then having some like like 18 year yeah like, some some other college like kid putting it right in your face yeah just like okay like i mean even look at the you look at the raiders fan yeah like raiders fans were and uh their old linemen were trying to fight each other yep <laughs> and they had time after that game <laughs> that wasn't like right after the game ended yeah well i'm a charger fan so that's hashtag bolt up it was one of those I Did they know. try and fight after this game too? No, no, no. Oh, okay. No, I'm I'm just happy as a Chargers fan because we finally got our second win of the season. All right, yeah, I know, right? Second win. Oh God, two and five. <laughs> All right, moving on to the next part. Next storyline from this: We lose Devonte Downs for the year. Mm. Went down in about the midway through third quarter. Went back to the locker room. Came back. He had a knee brace on on his right knee, but. He was jogging up and down the the field, like behind the sideline or behind the bench, trying to trying to warm up and, and walk it off to play. But then, like he realized he couldn't go, so you know that he just he just stood there, like he he didn't have his helmet, but he was still in full gear, just like walking along the sidelines, like you know, talking to the team, getting them amped up and things like that. So now that we know he's out for the year, it was just one of those weird moments where I was like, one oh, can really? assume it's a knee ligament mcl acl variety or like a meniscus tear like which is one of those that takes like meniscus would be good news for him it would be that would be the best option where it's like one of those like three to four week recovery periods and then but by that time the season's already over like if he has to rest three to four weeks yep and then he has to get in a game shape like there's definitely not enough time for him to come back yeah he's a senior and he's season ending mean bowl too or they get to decide that later if knock on wood if. That probably means he gets to decide that later. But at okay. that point, I, I don't see why you would play knowing that you probably want to start getting ready for the NFL draft. Did Devonta get to play in the bowl game, the, the Armed Forces Bowl? He did. Okay. Yeah. Then yeah. why Why would you do it? Yeah. I don't... He probably he probably still traveled with the team. Like, he probably still Oh, go. yeah. But I, I, would, I would be very surprised if he were available to play. Um, so, yeah, that's... Dude, I'm not going to... This is a devastating injury. Yeah. I mean, it's, <laughs> it's very obvious, but... Uh, there were a couple plays like right after he went down, and I know Knezic had a really good game, but he Knezic uh, Knezic Knezic Knezic. Sorry, um, I was like, I didn't think I got that right. <laughs> so there was a play when I think they dumped the ball off to uh, one of their running backs, and I don't know if it's Morrow, but essentially it was a little dump off on the outside. They had. Uh, Basically, Jordan tries to close in and gets absolutely shook out of his shoes. Oh, and yeah, yeah, yeah. I think another linebacker or safety Yeah, down the sideline where he just did a double move. Like, yep. he stepped out, stepped in, and then stepped back out. And, and the biggest difference there was a play earlier, it would have been Devontae Downs making the tackle. Yep. And instead, it was two guys missing tackles. And I was like, oh, no. <laughs> I thought that, like, that was the downfall of that game. the game. But it wasn't. But I'm very nervous, especially going up against Khalil Tate, it's going to be really hard. I, I think Oregon State will look, – you look at that game and you say, okay, that's probably the one where I feel best about it. But going up against Arizona, maybe Colorado, is, I feel good about that too. But, you know, it's, it's really – it's a tough, tough he was, injury for us. To, not only was he our best defender, but he – I guess that's the only way to put it. He was our best defender. Like he – He was the favorite to be the Pac-12 defender of the year. Oh, uh, easily. No maybe. question. Maybe, maybe tied with Washington, that Washington State guy. 
uh, Hercules Mataafa. Mataafa. I can't. I can't ever forget that guy's name just because it's so like it's so unique. Mufasa. <laughs> Hercules Mufasa. <laughs> uh, but but yeah, I you know he was he was our best all around defender. He did everything well. Blitz, spy, coverage, man, zone. Like he he just did everything perfect. But on the flip side. If you want to spin this into a more positive note, which we do, which we do here at the at the Golden Blocks podcast, the Bearcast, the Optimists, yeah, this is the optimistic podcast. <laughs> the young middle linebackers get a chance to get a lot more burn to end the season. Um, you guys, you you have guys like Garen Brown. What year is he? Uh, sophomore, I believe. Oh, really? So he's a transfer, but he's still yeah, because he sophomore? only played one year. Oh, as a walk on there. Oh, cool. Yeah, so sophomore. You got guys like um, Evan Weaver, right, playing inside. Malik Psalms now probably gets a lot more burn at that outside linebacker position. Kanasich, of course, and um, Cam Good, right? All those guys yeah. are underclassmen. That's huge to get underclassmen guys to get that burn. Now the key is, and I turn this back to recruiting now, is can you get a can you get one or two linebackers? That can give you something as freshman. Yeah, and I know who. <laughs> <laughs> I know who Andy wants. Same guy tweets tweets out "Go Bears" all the time. Yeah, come on. Yeah, the number I be the number one outside linebacker in the state of California. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, uh, that's that's the only looking towards the future from this injury and like you know as as a little storyline path. If we can get one or two freshmen that are impact freshmen on the defensive, in the especially in the linebacker spot, that's going to be huge. Because I think DBs were set. Can we deviate briefly? Yes. I've been wondering this. Cal football looks great, very different, reinvigorated defense. Should we expect recruits to fall now? Because it's been rather quiet. I kind of expected like more noise, but is it sort of a dead period and then it ramps back up in December? Yeah, I think it is. I think it's one of those cuz a lot of the well if you want to go for the higher guys, the higher name talent, they're going to wait till signing day. They're going to they're not going to wait till signing day cuz there's that there's there's the early signing period. Oh. So, yeah. which yeah, is yeah, like yeah. I think December ish, right. I think. So and you might you might get there. more announcements there. Um but then I think or especially with uh you know, like the All-America game, you know, the and all that the all uh, the U.S. Army All America game and like yeah. the the Polynesian game, and the Under Armour All American game. I think that's what it's called. Yep. So you got all those, and I think a lot of guys tend to announce there. This I have no evidence of this whatsoever, but I would not be surprised if there were a couple of silent commits already, mm. just from some guys that have already visited, and just because they want to make that announcement just a little more with pomp and circumstance. <laughs> um, so that's what they're that's what they could possibly do. Like I don't I don't have any information about that whatsoever, but that could be a possibility. Uh but I we said I said this and you said this before the season began. All we needed to see and this this goes for basketball too. All we needed to see was the hope and optimism of what we want to do. Cuz once you show that regardless of the wins or losses, you can show that to recruits. Be like, this is what we're going to do, and this is what we want you to do. Mm-hmm. And if recruits and your families, right, are looking at the Cal game tape and going, that's what that coaching staff did with 
a four-year starter senior and turned him into one of the best defensive players in the league. Imagine what he can do with you in three years. Imagine what he's going to do with any of those guys if you decide to come here and play under Wilcox for three years. Like, I think, and then that's, that's where the building point is. So that's definitely probably going to help in terms of recruiting just because of all the game tape now and um, all the success that you've had against these top-tier, quote-unquote, programs. Because I don't think Washington State is a top-tier program. It's just they're playing really well this year. But, you know, teams like Washington and Oregon, you know, perennially good teams. So, yeah, I think that's, that's where this conversation has to go now is can you pull the guys that are going to be, def- at least defensively, first-year f- true freshman guys that can come in and spell your starters and maybe give you a couple snaps a game. And that's where they get their experience, and yet we're not muffing away our chances at winning the game because we have to play them. But, yeah, front seven is our biggest need. Front Definitely. seven is, without a doubt, but we return a lot of injured guys. We do. I mean, we're going to get Saffle back. Yep. Um, Evan Rambo. Well, yeah. Evan Rambo's on the backside, but... Can't wait to have Rambo back. Can't wait to see Rambo and Hawkins together. Holy crap. <laughs> Holy crap. That safety combo is going to be ridiculous. So it's really interesting. I mean, you start looking out next year. And we'll get really far ahead on us. So you get North Carolina at home. Mm-hmm. Is BYU home or away? I can't remember. I think it's away. Okay, so North Carolina at home, UCLA at home, Washington at home. Uh, Oregon at home. Oregon at home. That's a good like, home slate, too. It's a good home slate, but it's one that now feels a lot more doable. Yeah. I think. Than years past. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Especially considering what might happen with those programs over the next couple months, too. Right. Because Rosen might leave. Browning, Browning could leave, could leave I but I don't think he will. But they lose Gaskin, Pettis and they Gaskin lose Gaskin. Yep. Yeah. So there's a lot of question marks on a lot of those teams going into next season. Meantime, so, we're resetting very little. Very, very we little. we get on the offensive side of the ball. Finally get Robertson back. Yeah. <laughs> Come on, man. Yeah. In, in what most likely <laughs> will be his last season in Berkeley. Oh, man. He's done. We just. We wasted away his talent. In my opinion. Yeah. So, all right. That's that's pretty much it. Uh, let's wrap up the, the football talk with, with just some awards. You have an MVP for the game? Well, let's go. I mean, since they're so different, let's go one OMVP, one DMVP. Um, I guess I'll give – so I've got to be one of the harshest critics of the offense. Yes. I'm not going to give it to the person I critique the most. I'm going to give it to Vic. Because <laughs> Vic has been looking super slow this year. And then he just like was bowling over people and finding the right hole and making the right read. It was impressive. And I hope he carries it up. I continues it. Because um, you got to love that guy. He's amazing. Yeah. Uh, just a high character. So He's a really high character guy. Offensive MVP will go with my boy Vic. And defensive side of the ball, I can't choose Funches, even though I still am his number one fan. So why don't we go with Cam Bynum for the two picks? I'm just so excited about watching him play. <laughs> yeah. Um, my offensive MVP, 
I'm going to go with the group. I'm going to go with the wide receivers, especially Kanavai and Jordan Vesey. Kanavai had that, I mean, just the way they bounced back for me was just the biggest thing because Kanavai had that huge drop oh. that should have been a touchdown. Yeah. Easy. But then he came back with a vengeance and pretty much caught any other thing thrown his way for the rest of the game. VC on the other hand, had some two, two not... The second one wasn't as bad because he was pretty much covered and it was over his shoulder. I'll give him that. But they were... They definitely needed to be caught. Um, but then he comes back and leads us on two consecutive really crazy toe-touch one-footed grabs yeah. to get us into... Right before touch, the half. Right before the half to get us into yeah. that touchdown area. That's a good call. Um, so... I remember, I distinctly remember watching, like, looking at the replay on the TV in the booth, and after the first catch, he looks over at the sideline, and he's like, he wants it again. He's like, feed me, feed me. And then he points at Ross Bowers, and it's kind of like, a, I got you. Um, so he I'm feeling does, it. Yeah. And he, 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 <laughs> it's the same route again, and he destroys that CB. And then Vic runs it for, like, you know, whatever yards on the next one, and we do throw that pass to Kyle, Kyle Wells. And- Kyle Wells. Kyle Wells. Uh, yeah. So yeah, it was. Uh, was that actually Kyle Wells' first reception? Yep. They told Pretty us in the booth when we were there. Pretty cool. Yep. Kyle Wells' first reception was a touchdown. Forrest's first touchdown. <laughs> Welcome back, tight end. Yeah. Welcome back, tight end. And Gavin Reinwald, too, Played well. made some great, great catches. He's turning out to be a pretty good pass catching um, tight end. But he does need to bulk up if he wants to block off the edge, too. Defensive? Defensive MVP? I mean, you took mine. I mean, the easy route to go here is Jordan Kanasic. <laughs> the guy was outstanding. But I'll go with Garen Brown because the, the, the quarter and a half that he basically played in for um, Devontae played great. Uh, wasn't anything spectacular other than the fumble recovery for the touchdown. But other than that, like he played – I feel like defensively, if you're not being pointed out for doing something bad – yeah. You're usually doing something right, mm-hmm. right? If you're like, ah, oh, crap, he missed the tackle, then he did something wrong. But if we're not pointing anything out, like, you're you're doing your job right. And that's that's how I felt about Gary Brown. Like, we weren't pointing him out, um, saying bad things nor good things, which means he was doing just everything sound. Um, so, yeah, I think I think he has a, he had a pretty good game. Good pick. Great pick. <laughs> Calm down there, Rob. Calm down. All right. All right, we're going to end the end our podcast with a little bit of basketball talk just because basketball media days just happened this past week. We got time to talk to Viking. We got time to talk to Kingsley and Marcus, um, which was really cool. Sean Miller, of course, unwilling to talk about anything at media days. Wow. Unwilling to talk about anything? Uh-huh. You know, so you, did you just ask him how his day was? And he was like, <laughs> no, I don't want to talk about it. <laughs> so any time anyone asked him um, about – so he, every coach got up there, gave an opening statement. And when it was time, so the first the first one to go was uh, Andy Enfield. Wow. SC is, or I think he was number two on the on the order. Yeah. But but like out of the two schools that are under investigation, so Andy Enfield goes up there and he's talking about the assistant coach, you know, that's under investigation, and he's like, uh, you know, it's a painful thing. He's part of the SC family. Yeah, we he's, love the guy. Yeah, we love the guy. And I was like, <laughs> oh god, that's not the stance you want to take on this, my friend. That you want to distance yourself from that as far as possible, because uh, they had a they had a guy decommit from them just this past week, uh, four star uh, power forward Jerron Brooks, who 
we were going after before he committed as well. So maybe that's back on the table. I don't know. But that's neither here nor there. So Andy Enfield says that. <laughs> right. And then Sean Miller goes up later on, and they're asking uh, – he gives an opening statement. And then he's like, I gave a statement, you know, um, a couple weeks ago by the school and, so, um, you know, so on and so forth. And he did not look like himself. This is not the Sean Miller I know from, like, two, three years of basketball media days. Like, he's so – he's so well-poised. Like, he's well so well-spoken when he's talking about basketball. Like – you could just tell something wasn't right with him. Like, he just did not seem like he was in the right state of mind. And the only thing he said was whenever anyone asked him anything about the investigation, he would say, I stand by my statement. I stand by my statement. I stand by my statement. He pulled a Marshawn Lynch pretty much. He's lawyered up. Yeah. So I, I, yeah, it, it was just, it was one of those. And, like, the only time he ever deviated from that was, like, when, like someone asked him about the Pac-12 setting up a task force to look into this as well. He was just like, yeah, you know, I'm really supportive of the Pac-12 doing their investigations and making up the task force. That was like the only time he deviated from that when it was about that topic. The only And then the only other time he deviated from that as well was when one of the reporters asked about, about it. And he said, I understand why you're asking and I respect your job, but I stand by my statement. <laughs> <laughs> So there's that. I plead the fifth. <laughs> Thank you for asking. Thank you for asking. Thank you for asking. Thank you for asking. I'm here not to get fined. Um, so it, it, it just went along like that. Uh, we talked to Y King for a bit, which was really cool. Um, really awesome, awesome guy. Really standout guy. Um, and we talked to, we asked him about basketball, asked him about how practice is going, and he's saying they're going great. You know, everyone's getting a part of the system and learning really a lot and getting better by the day. A couple of injuries. Uh, I, so this was last week. So Juwan Harris-Dyson a little tweaked his ankle a little bit. So he said he's going to be out for a couple of days. And then uh, Justice Sewing is still recovering from his, uh, I think his, uh, like a slight fracture. Hmm. Not a, uh, yeah, I think it's a slight fracture. It's not a break. Um, so he's just recovering from that. But he should be fine because by the time we went to practice last week before media days, he was like in and out of his walking boot. What were your thoughts on the jerseys? I've said this when I put up the jersey post. Uh, I'm not a fan of the blue one at all. What? Yeah. Um, I'm not. The blue and gold? Yeah. I do like the gold ones and I like the white ones. But I do not like the blue ones. The blue ones I do not like because they. I've said this to every single person that have asked me. They look like like the cheap knockoff jerseys you can buy at like third party stores. They do not look like you know nice jerseys. Um, but the kicks are nice. Kingsley was wearing the clutch fit drive fours, um, the new Under Armour um, basketball shoes, and I think. It'll look nice. The white ones and the gold ones are going to look nice when they get uh, when they get those guys into curries. When they start giving them the curry fours and the curry four lows. Right now, a lot of them are wearing the curry three zeros, and also a couple of them are wearing the curry lux or curry two lux editions, mm. like the streetwear versions. Yep. Um, so those look nice, but I really want to see them in the curry fours. Like I, I was talking to someone and we were talking about the shoes, and I think. 
our consensus was if they wore the white jerseys from top to bottom with the Curry 4s that Curry wore last night, the all-white ones where the Under Armour's in gold, like the metallic gold and the heels in gold, that would be a really sick look from top to bottom. But, yeah, uh, Marcus is really fun to talk to. Marcus is he's so funny. He's like a, he's just he's just a character. Um, Kingsley and I have a a real affinity for soccer. Of course, he's from England, so we just sat and talked for soccer for quite a while um, about what his favorite club was growing up. I actually asked him about how he decided to play basketball instead of soccer growing up in a soccer country, right? Yeah. And this is a short story I'll tell before we close out. Is he told me that he was playing soccer when he was 11. Some guy came up to his dad and told him, hey, your son's playing the wrong sport. <laughs> so they decided to look for a basketball clinic or like a, not a clinic, but a basketball-like team and things like that. And they found it. And uh, he started to practice there. And then, you know, some people, you know, just was like, hey, you could be pretty good at this. So that's that's how we got into basketball. Now he's a seven foot center on a Division One team. The funniest thing was I asked him after that. I was like, "Okay, what position did you play?" And he played. He said he played central defender. And they said, "Okay, at your height, yeah, probably." And I was like, "How tall were you at eleven years old that the guy would say your son's playing the wrong sport?" He said he was six four. Six four, eleven wow. year old, right? <laughs> yeah, wow. you would assume you probably played the wrong sport. <laughs> You're a little too tall for the for the world of soccer. Unless you want to play goalie. <laughs> Even goalies, you can't be that tall because you need to be able to be more agile to hit to mm. to be able to defend the cor- uh, the the top top corners. Gotcha. So you can't be that tall. Central defender is the right position. Central defender was the perfect position, but if you outgrow six four, you're gonna your foot speed's gonna be too slow ah. to be able to keep up with faster guys coming at you. So wow, like. <laughs> So, who is the highlight for you of that whole day? Speaking, speaking wise, um, in terms of Cal guys, I think it has to be Marcus. Marcus is really fun to talk to. Um, but in terms of overall, out of all the teams, it's Larry Kristoviak. Larry Larry Kristoviak is just is super fun. Utah uh, coach. Yeah, he came on and he's like talking about like you know like this is my seventh year here at Utah. Um, seven is my favorite number. It's my lucky number. So I guess that means we're winning the Pac-12 and going to a Final Four. You can write it down now. <laughs> that was his opening statement. And I was like, that's, that's awesome. That's hilarious. Um, and the guy's a t- total standout, standout guy, when he, especially when he's talking about basketball. So if it wasn't Viking coaching our team, I'd be like, I would, I would highly, highly want us to somehow poach yeah. Larry Kristovia. Yeah. Like, it's, it's just... The way he holds himself and the coaching aspect of it just seems perfect for him, like our school and what we want. But, I mean, I'm happy with Viking. I so, Viking. final question. Yes. Uh, do you have any predictions? Or you seem to really like Viking. I do. Because of what you just said. In the I do, that. yeah. So, uh, how do you feel going into the year? And otherwise, what would probably be a... down year. <coughs> a down or rebuild year, because we still, like, uh, was Paris Austin? Yes. Uh, we Paris don't Austin get till is, next year, yeah. And so, without that dynamic and having lost our Here's adorable what freshman mm-hmm. who bailed on us for Kansas, yeah. Um, so, here's what I'll say: judging from what I've seen off of practice as well, is this team's going to be fun to watch. 
right? Just just the style of basketball they're going to play is just fun basketball. When you have guys pressing full court, creating steals, getting easy layups and dunks in transition, that's no matter what sport you watch, you're going to be gravitated towards that type of high-octane type of play. Mm-hmm. The only question is, do we have enough bodies to be able to run that for a full 40 minutes night in and night out? And especially when you have to run seven freshmen out there, right, the learning curve and the game speed is going to be pretty significant, which definitely helps by the way of how our preseason is set up where we don't play that many, like, great, great teams where we're going to get blown out of the water. Um, like, the, like the Saint, we'll play St. Mary's, you know, in the beginning of the season. We'll also go down and play San Diego State. Um, we also go out to Mau. Is it Maui? I think we go to Maui. Uh, we play some pretty top tier teams there. But other than that, like a lot of the a lot of the time, it's going to be a, a few of those games will be morale upping where we win and we get to see how it all works together when it's working well types of games. So overall, for me, it's going to be one of those seasons where we're going to have real high highs. We might pull up an up we might pull off an upset or two. Because some team rolls into Berkeley thinking that we can ups- we can destroy this team that's picked to go 11th in the Pac-12. Mm. Um, and then we come out firing, and they just don't know how to handle our full-court press and our 2-3 defense, because not a lot of teams play zone in the Pac-12. Mm. And we pull off the upset there. We're going full zone? 2-3? Uh, well, that's the... Like Syracuse style? Yeah, at least at practice... That's the majority of the defense that they ran in. But Viking did say at the press conference when I asked him, he's like, you know, we're going to play a variety of defenses. We're going to play the 2-3. We're going to play the man. It's just this year uh, compared to prior years, we're just not going to play or we won't be playing just strictly man. Mm. So that's what they're implementing right now is to to have a 2-1-2 full court press that sets back into a 2-3 zone. That's what they're trying to implement right now, which – could is going to be really fun like that you know if you've watched any college basketball and you've watched maybe Syracuse or or god forbid Louisville play um that's the type of like defensive game we want to play where we want to create havoc where they don't know where to pass to and they just chuck it up in the air we steal it we go in for the slam and we go you know it's that type of crowd cheering up in the air type of did you see how much uh Viking benches that was ridiculous. That's that's not how is that human? Um, if you also also if you haven't watched the Pac-12 Network's media days, I highly recommend to go watch the section where they interview Viking because they ask him about his IMDb page, mm, yeah, um, yeah, yeah, which he has. We're the I think we're the only coach that actually has like an acting career, and like he's in. He said his friend is a movie director or in movies. So he said whenever his friend does a movie, he has this agreement where he gets a cameo appearance in it. Mm. So he's in a McDonald's commercial from back in the day. I, I had no idea he was in The Wood, uh, which is one of my favorite movies. Um, yeah. If you haven't watched that, I highly recommend you go watch it, The Wood. Um, and then also he was in Dope, which I think uh, was yeah. last year or the year before where he's the SAT proctor. Oh, really? Yeah. No the, way. So if you haven't watched it, go watch it. You'll see, you'll see our head coach in there. Um, but yeah, that wraps it up. We're good to go. 
If you got any questions or concerns or comments, please uh, don't hesitate to tweet at me, which is Rob11HWANG. You can tweet at Andy at... Andy J. Beast Mode. Um, and just be on the lookout for other drops. Uh, we're we're going to get a lot of guests. It looks like we're going to get a lot of guests on this pod. So we were talking to just some names that have on Twitter that have been very, very... like Verbal nice. commits. Verbal, verbal commits. commits. Verbal commits, Kyle Riley, or Kevin, not Kyle. Solid verbals. Kevin Riley, solid verbal. Ernest Ousu, solid verbal. Uh, Jeff MacArthur liked my tweet, so I don't know what that means. (laughs) (laughs) It's a soft verbal. It's a soft verbal. It's a silent commit. Yeah. Um, And then, did did I miss any other ones? Avery. Avery Sebastian, yep. Um, And I think the goal is just to to get guys on here. I think we just want to talk to them. We don't even need to talk about, like, Cal football right now. But it's like, I want to know what their favorite restaurant on campus was. Like, I want to know where's, where is your secret nap spot on campus, right? Like, what did, what did, who is the best Madden player on that team? Like, that, it's just fun questions like that that I just want to get to know the guys. So Saquon was amazing. Oh, was he? Oh, God. And he told everyone about it. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, it's just we're, we're, we're thinking of doing that, um, maybe, maybe scheduling that in um, after football season's over just so we have – some football stuff to talk about as the season goes on. So just be on the lookout for that. And as always, go Bears. Go Bears.